Hello everyone, it is Thursday, July 2nd, 2020, and this is Liberty Church Audio. I'm Pastor John. Americans are angry. Do you feel it? Do you feel the tension in the air? Do you feel like you are in a fight or are around a fight or that you need to fight or that you want to fight? Are you a little bit angry? Elizabeth Chang of the Washington Post wrote last month at the end of the month that Americans are angry, and I agree with her. I feel it. She says, at the same time, we're dealing with anger provoked by the coronavirus pandemic. There's anger at public officials because they've shut down parts of society, or there's anger because they aren't doing enough to curb the virus, or there's anger about being required to wear a mask, or anger toward people who refuse to wear a mask, anger with anyone who doesn't say things the right way. A psychologist at the University of California in Irvine says, we're living, in effect, in a big anger incubator. Another psychiatrist said the country is now dealing with three disasters superimposed on top of one another. The pandemic, the economic fallout, and the civil unrest. His name is Joshua Morgenstein. He said, certainly one way of responding, and a common way of responding, is anger. And he has a specialty degree in the psychiatric dimensions of disaster. One social psychologist and the president of Scripps College in California, Larissa Tiedens, said, We know uncertainty is both a cognitive and an emotional state, and that it is one that people want to resolve. So when you feel uncertain, when you feel uncertain about what's going on, you want to resolve that uncertainty. And she said anger is one way to do that. By being angry about something, she said, you get to leave your feelings of uncertainty and for a while occupy a space and a sensibility of certainty and clarity and confidence. So we are in an uncertain age, she says, and because we feel uncertainty, we want to resolve that, so we collapse back into anger, and that anger gives us a sense of certainty, clarity, and confidence, which reminds me of a tweet written by a writer named Andrew Clavin in 2016, and the hashtag on Twitter was make me think in five words, and his response to the challenge was, anger is the devil's cocaine. So as a pastor talking to people in the church, I just want to remind us we cannot afford to give in and live in anger. Anger is not going to help anybody in a response to the uncertain times in which we live. The Apostle James said that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. We want things to be right. We want things to be honorable to God. But anger is not the pathway to that goal. And it is a great temptation for all of us, and that includes me. So how can we fight anger? How can we keep it from hitting our bloodstream like cocaine and giving us a false sense of clarity, confidence, certainty, and even a sense of righteousness? Well, here's things you already know. To begin, we need to remember Christ's first sermon at least as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. What was his message? As soon as John the Baptist had been put into prison and things had gone through a time of transition and Christ's ministry is beginning, he begins to walk about and preach to the message saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
What this means is to have a change of heart. There's another kingdom. It's from heaven. It's another order. It's another operation in the world, coming to the world, and it is near. It is soon. It is the kingdom of God. Of course, he's the king, and it's another kingdom that he's setting up. And when Jesus was unjustly arrested and unjustly standing before the magistrates and being railroaded, he said to the people that were pressing him, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Notice what he's saying. If his main concern was about the issues of the here and now, all his servants would have been fighting. But because his kingdom is not of this world, his servants are not fighting. If he told Peter to put the sword down the night that he was arrested, why would our becoming fighting mad when we see the world through cable news or American media help us in any way? It's all about remembering the nature of the kingdom. Those who are obsessed with the here and now feel the pull of anger. Those who remember the otherworldliness, the eternality of God's kingdom, do not feel the need to fight because they have another mission, which is proclaiming grace and truth. The fact is, God doesn't need our anger. What he wants is for us to be on mission, proclaiming grace and truth. When Pilate asked him if he was a king, Jesus said, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Earthly kingdoms come and go. Lewis reminds us that nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. The eternal kingdom is a heavier issue. It's more weighty. It's a more pressing issue. And our goal is to encourage people to enter it, not fight them over issues of the here and now. At whatever side you may fall on for whatever issues you care about, we don't have to be angry. And that's a relief. Remembering the kingdom of God brings that relief. But someone might say, well, you want us to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. But our anger isn't going to make us any earthly good anyway. It blinds us to what's real. It blinds us to the real needs, real solutions, and the grace that everyone needs. And it centers us on ourselves and our own selfish concerns and our own methods for getting things done rather than Christ. And what the world needs now is to hear the voice of Christ, not see an angry face from the church. Yes, I'm concerned about where the culture's going. And today's secular religion is going to do more harm than good. It has an impulse for atonement. It wants to place proper blame and find the cosmic balancing of the scales for justice, but it has no foundation for justice because it doesn't believe in truth or, at, or objectivity. How can you have justice if truth is relative on one hand, but then angrily demanded on the other? This whole setup is, has no foundation for justice, and obviously it has no foundation for mercy. It's without mercy. And instead of forgiveness and reconciliation, this secular religion 
demands apologies only as precursors to retribution. And then that retribution becomes and feeds into a never-ending cycle of resentment. It's a religion without truth. It's a religion without mercy, without grace, and it will never achieve its desire for justice. And so we have to speak into it. We need to speak truth into the culture, and we need to speak that truth with grace because the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So if we're all about truth, we can become angry. If, we, if it's all about grace, we become useless. We need grace and truth together. But Christ dying on the cross clearly shows God's primal response to sin and evil. It is sin that creates perpetrators and victims. And the cross shows God's love as well and his mercy towards sinners. And it short circuits wrath and gives hope for us all. It is the door that opens to another kingdom and that kingdom is a third space, it's another place. And when we remember that, we're on better footing. Let's get our sense of certainty, clarity, and confidence, not from anger, but from the certain promise of Christ's kingdom and our citizenship there. Liberty Church Audio is produced by Liberty Church of Cosby and is now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the audio there as well as at TuneIn plus Alexa. And you can find out more at libertypastor.com or on our Facebook page at Liberty Church of Cosby. <laughs>